You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, I want to thank you for joining us again today for Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. You have now reached the fifth episode of our new podcast with the Young Adults Ministry here at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in North Dallas. We're going to talk about a topic today that affects every generation, every age group, and if I were to guess, it would be a topic that you have struggled with in your life as I struggle with it in mine. Uh, People have a hard time with forgiveness. Forgiveness, it really pulls on the heartstrings. It really frustrates the mind. It can raise blood pressure. There are all kinds of reasons we give as to why we should not forgive. And really trying to figure out what does forgiveness look like from a Christian worldview, from a God-honoring, Christ-like perspective, It is a lifelong journey. And as you know, in this podcast, we're wanting to touch on some real-life issues that affect all Christians, not just young adults. We've talked about how to disagree respectfully. We've talked about anxiety. We've talked about social media. But today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And I've asked a very good friend of mine, Wes McAdams, who is the preacher at the McDermott Road Church of Christ, also here in the Dallas area, to come and be my guest. He's actually in the office with me today, so I'm thankful that he agreed to share some of his time to come and talk about this issue, this struggle that affects all Christians, all churches, all people for all time. Wes, we are glad to have you with us today. Well, thanks for having me, brother. Wes, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm sure that most people listening to this already know you, but tell us a little bit about yourself and your family before we get started. Well, I've preached at McDermott Road now for December will be four years, so a little over three years, and uh, have two little boys, nine and 11 currently, almost 12, um, too close to a teenager uh, for my comfort. Uh, uh, my wife and I uh, lived in uh, West Texas and uh in Arkansas, now in the Dallas area, and uh, we're big Rangers fans, and uh, we, we love our work at McDermott Road. I, I blog at radicallychristian.com, and that's about it. So you lived in Arkansas, West Texas, and the Dallas area. Those are three very different places to live. Yeah, yeah. Which one do you prefer? 
Well, you should always say the place where you are. So sure. yeah, no, no I, I will say that uh, we miss the trees and the water and the hills of Arkansas, but I don't miss the humidity and and we love live we love we love living here. It's it's wonderful. We love to go back and visit West Texas. I always say that West Texas, uh, what they lack in scenery, they make up for in people. So okay, okay. <laughs> well, I know that uh, McDermott's very grateful to have you and Holly and your family, and I'm grateful to be back in Dallas uh, serving the church here with you in the Metroplex. Wes did mention his blog, radicallychristian.com, very well known blog. If you have not read that before encourage you to do that and obviously uh, look up McDermott Road online you can watch some of his sermons and uh, it's a great place to visit for you and your family particularly if you're in the northern parts of the Metroplex. Well Wes we're going to get right into the text today because this is something that we could talk about for hours and hours and hours and that is forgiveness, what it looks like for the child of God, why it's so challenging, but also why it's so important. And I've kind of chosen two texts for us to look at today, um, texts that I've wrestled with in my life over and over and over again. The first one's in Colossians 3, uh, where Paul specifically deals with forgiveness and why it's something that should shape the Christian life. Then we'll get over to Psalm 103 a little bit later in the show. But I want to go ahead and start with Colossians 3, verses 13 and 14. We've been walking through the book of Colossians in the young adult ministry here at Preston Crest. And so I want to mention something on this podcast that we keep talking about in class to kind of frame our discussion for forgiveness. At the beginning of Colossians chapter 3, Paul reminds the church at Colossae that they have been raised with Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. And that is a clear metaphor to the fact that they are now baptized believers, uh, that they have been resurrected the same way that Christ was resurrected, which unites us with him according to Romans chapter 6. And so with that understanding that we have been raised with Christ, there is this expectation that our life needs to drastically change. At the beginning of the chapter, he says you need to remove some things from your life, things like sexual immorality and greed and anger and rage. Uh, Halfway through the chapter, he says you need to add some things into your life, like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And that leads us up to verses 13 and 14, keeping in mind with what he said in verse 1, since you've been raised with Christ, since you are a baptized believer, since you are someone who has been resurrected There is a new calling. There is a new expectation. And part of that calling and part of that expectation is forgiveness. But beginning in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, Wes, the first question I have for us today to kind of talk through, is there a difference between uh, bearing with people and then forgiving people? 
Yeah, I think there's a there's a pretty big difference. I mean, they're obviously complementary ideas, and that's you know all of these ideas here that Paul puts together in what this new self looks like, what this this new humanity looks like. If we're going to live as people who have been recreated, made new through Jesus, if this is the life that we've chosen to live as those, like you said, have been raised up with Christ, then this is what it looks like. And so all of these ideas are obviously complementary. But yeah, I think there's a difference between bearing with. And in fact, one way to translate that idea there is tolerate. Um, and tolerate, that, that word tolerance gets thrown around a lot, but but at the very minimum, it means put up with each other. And it means that there that there's no other way to live in a community of people, whether that be in our families or within the within the church body, and that's specifically what Paul is talking about, to live together in the church community as followers of Jesus who've individually been been made new. Now we have to figure out how to live that out together. And people are going to mess up. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to make mistakes. And the only way to live in community is to tolerate that. And like in our families, we have to tolerate each other. I, I tolerate a lot from my kids, you know, and I don't say I'm done with you. You know, we, we continue to try to work things out and, and, and I discipline them and I love them and we hold on to each other. And I guess sometimes if you ask them, they would say they have to tolerate their dad, you know. And so we bear with each other's weaknesses. We bear with each other's um, um, you know, brokenness, we bear with each other's uh, failings. And then the idea of forgiveness, in this case, the word that Paul uses here is charizomai, and it's really about bestowing favor on somebody. It's it's like grace. It's you're giving, you're giving something to someone. Um, even our English word for give, at the very heart of it is the word give, you know? And so it's this idea that if you have a quarrel with somebody or my translation says a complaint against another, then you give them grace, you know? And so, so yeah, th those two ideas go hand in hand. We tolerate each other, we put up with each other, and we also give grace to each other. And that's the only way to live in community. Those are excellent points, particularly about the forgive that uh, built into the idea of forgiveness is an action of giving or bestowing upon someone else. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up the, the Greek word for forgiveness. Um, this word for bear, also tolerate, as you've mentioned, is used many other times in the New Testament. Uh, one other time by Paul I'll mention, and then one time by Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 12, Paul's talking about the troubles that he faces in ministry, the hardships that he faces in ministry, and he uses the word endure. In mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians 4. And then in Matthew 17, Jesus is dealing with the religious hypocrisy of his time. And he says, oh, unbelieving generation, how long will I have to put up with you? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that as well. Put up, endure, tolerate, bear, all kind of the same word, same idea. But it seems like, Wes, that, that Paul here makes a clear distinction between bearing or forbearance, maybe how older translations will translate it, and forgiveness, that these are two separate actions, equally important, but two distinct disciplines. I've always been told, and through my study, I've come to agree with the idea that the difference between forbearance and forgiveness more than anything else, centers around uh, repentance. Mm. 
Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I mean, I think that there's there's definitely a need for repentance in in community, you know, and so I, I don't know that I, I don't know that here specifically he's, you know, talking about um, there's no caveat you know, that, that he places on these qualities, that these are the types of qualities that we have to have. But, but that that's not to say that there doesn't also have to be repentance. That's the only way community can function. The only way that we can live in community, the only way I can give you the gift of forbearance or of grace and, you know, and, and, and forgiveness, however you want to put that, is for us to have a reciprocal relationship. All of the one another passages in the New Testament all assume that it's something that we're doing with and for each other. And if someone decides, I don't want to be a participant in that, I don't want to participate in this give and take, I don't want to participate in this loving each other, bearing each other's burdens, forgiving each other, repenting when we sin against each other, then it breaks down and it doesn't work. So there's no way for the new humanity community to function when there is unrepentance. And so if someone is unrepentant within that community, then that's where the breakdown is, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's not, there's not necessarily, and we could talk about that too. When, when do we forgive? How do we forgive when there is a lack of repentance? And I think there's an important word there and that's resentment. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that almost and I, we may get to this later on in your discussion, so I hope I'm not getting ahead of ourselves, but I think that we have um, a disadvantage sometimes with our language, and I'm sure every language is that way, that we have one word, forgive, where there might have been multiple words, and in Greek, th- there is the idea also of releasing someone of a debt. And so mm-hmm. there's an idea for forgiveness. It's not just charizomai, like giving somebody favor, like a positive action, but it's also a releasing of something. Mm-hmm. And so there's a releasing of debt. And it's really hard to release someone of the debt as long as they continue to rack up debt. And nobody would expect that to happen if I, if I take money from you, if I steal from you, and I continue to steal from you, you you're not gonna say, it's okay. I, I don't hold that debt against you. You're going to say, no, you need to stop stealing from me. You need to stop taking from me. But if I've taken something from you that I legitimately can't pay you back for, and I say, Jacob, man, I, I took this from you and now I'm destitute and I have nothing and I can't repay you. And then you release me of that debt. That's the idea behind forgiveness, at least in that sense of letting go of a debt. And there there has to be repentance there because if there's not that sort of thing just doesn't work and nobody does that god himself right. doesn't even forgive as long as we continue to rack up that debt right i'm glad you bring that up because paul i think clarifies a little bit of his meaning at the end of verse 13 when he says here's the standard for forgiveness you need to forgive as the lord forgave you so we could talk all day on what forgiveness looks like to us and what we think is the best form or fashion, but Paul says, all right, here's where you go back to for your example. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So let me ask this direct question because it's kind of the elephant in the room. We're touching on a little bit in our preliminary discussion, but let's just go ahead and attack it head on. Does someone 
have to ask for our forgiveness? Does someone have to repent for us to forgive them? Yeah, and see, and that's where I think that we, our English language kind of fails us. Because I, I, I found that in my discussions with people about forgiveness, that sometimes we mean two different things by forgiveness. Most of the time that English speakers, at least that I know in, in the United States right now, when we talk about forgiveness, we're not talking about releasing somebody from a debt. What we're talking about is a feeling of resentment and letting go of a feeling of resentment. That's quite a different thing than holding somebody accountable to a debt. If you, if you backed into my car and you damaged my car irreparably and, and then I was out $2,000 to fix my car, well, I have a choice. I can either make you pay for it or I can release you from that debt. That's forgiveness. And, and I think that you only have an obligation to forgive in that sense when someone says, Wes, I am so sorry. I did not mean to do that. But if you did that on purpose, right. if you backed into my car and cost me $2,000 on purpose and you don't care and you did it because you hate me, well, then I'm probably not going to release you from that debt. I want justice to happen. I want you to pay the $2,000. But if you legitimately can't pay me back and 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 now I have this opportunity to give you the gift of releasing you of that debt, that is a wonderful Christian thing to do. But there's also the idea of resentment. And I think what we have to be really careful to do is to say, I am not going to resent anyone, regardless of their attitude, regardless of what they do or don't do. So if you back into my car, even if you did it on purpose, I, I cannot harbor resentment against you. I can't hate you. I can't be bitter against you because not only does that harm our relationship and the future repair that might come to our relationship, but it also harms me spiritually. So over and over again, the New Testament tells us to have no resentment, have no bitterness, get rid of those things. So if that's what we mean by forgiveness, sometimes we say we need to forgive people whether they repent or not. If you mean by that, don't hold or harbor resentment towards them, I agree. I agree that we need to not harbor resentment against people. But if we're talking about holding people accountable for wrongs that they did and they continue to do or they continue to be unrepentant for, that's, that's kind of a different thing. And, and there is a time and a place to say, no, I'm going to hold you responsible for this because you need to pay this debt that you owe. That's a good point, good perception. Where my mind goes is maybe it's not a misunderstanding of the meaning of forgiveness, but maybe it's more of a misunderstanding of the word forbearance. Mm. Because I think forbearance is more than just tolerating or putting up with. Built into the idea of tolerating or putting up with someone is a spirit that is always ready to forgive, Mm. that always wants what's best. I don't think it's just simply they're a jerk and they're always going to be a jerk and I don't want to be around them and I don't really want their life to go well, but I'm going to put up with them. You're not really bearing with them at that moment. You are ignoring them. You have malice in your heart toward them. But the biblical definition of forgiveness that we see in our relationship with God, which in my mind is really the only thing we have to work with here for a standard that does not change Scripture is pretty clear that without repentance, there is no forgiveness. Right. Uh, you know, we go back to Acts two thirty eight on the day which the church begins, and 
when the people are wanting to know what they need to do to be in a right relationship with God, Peter says, as we know, repent and be baptized. You know, we don't talk enough about repentance, repentance, repentance. The repentance, in addition to the baptism, led to that forgiveness. John says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, God's faithful, he will forgive us. Well, I think confession has built into the idea that the reason I'm confessing this is because I'm going to change. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, to make a difference in my life. So with that being said, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, there is a, a lack of connection between the Greek language and English language. We've got one word for love in English. The Greeks used for mm-hmm. uh, forgiveness could fall into that category. But I think the bigger issue, just maybe not understanding what forbearance looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does get a little bit confusing because, all right, let's talk about Jesus. When Jesus is hanging on the cross and, you know, they're nailing him to the beams and blood is flowing and he's got the crown of thorns mashed down into his skull and he's been humiliated and wrongfully accused. The first thing Jesus says on the cross is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus does not say, Father, forgive them when they ask for it. He just says, Father, forgive them. So how would that carry over into this conversation? Yeah, I, I think it, I I think, and, and again, I mean, you know, it's hard to know, you know, exactly whether or not the Father forgave their sins. It seems like from what Jesus taught throughout his ministry, that God was going to hold Jerusalem accountable mm-hmm. for the sin against his son. I mean, Jesus would tell these parables about uh, the the landowner who leaves and who sends the servants and they abuse the servants and eventually he sends his son and they they murder his son. And what will that master do? He's going to punish the people that, you know, the tenants that that were wicked and, and killed his son. And so I think that Jesus throughout his ministry would say that what happened in 70 AD and the destruction of Jerusalem was at least in part because of their hard-hearted refusal to listen to God and their murder of God's son. Mm. And so on the one hand, you could say, well, God didn't, the father didn't forgive them their sin because as they continued to persist in that sin, they were destroyed and and the city was destroyed. But on the other hand, as you pointed out, the day of Pentecost, and you have 3,000 people from Jerusalem and and everywhere who Peter accused of putting to death the Messiah, they were pierced to their heart and they repented and they were forgiven. And so I think those two things, those two stories go together. I think that Jesus prayed for their forgiveness and those that repented and were baptized received that forgiveness. But I think it also points out Jesus's attitude, his lack of resentment and bitterness and hatred towards those who are murdering him. His prayer isn't for their destruction. His prayer is for their forgiveness. And I think that's exactly the sort of attitude and spirit that we need to have to your point about forbearance. That's exactly the spirit that we need to have is this attitude that says, 
even though you wrong me, even though you're in the very act of wronging me, I don't want your destruction. I don't want your punishment. What I want is your repentance. What I want is for you to be forgiven. I want you to to stop persisting in this behavior, and I want you to experience the goodness and the grace of God. And so even, even if someone persists in sin and they, they can't be released from the debt, we still need to have the spirit that says, I want you to be, be released from that debt. I want you to experience a transformation in your life. Yeah, that's so well said. And I think it gets back to, regardless if we're talking about forbearance or forgiveness, it's what's in my heart at the time. It's not like uh, hot and cold or salt and pepper here. These, these two things are not drastically opposed to one another. Mm-hmm. They both have a spirit of humility and gentleness. I just think that the forgiveness is a result of some other action, uh, which would be repentance. And there are a lot of things that we bear with that have no need to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone just irritates you, but they haven't done anything wrong, do they need to come up and apologize to you for being irritable? No. It's mm-hmm. just a difference of personality. I'm going to forbear with your personality. But I do think there are clear indications in life where someone systematically and purposefully wrongs you. Yeah. They have not come up to you and said, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And they certainly haven't changed. Mm -hmm. Biblically, am I responsible for forgiving them? I don't think so. I think that's the clear indication of forgive as the Lord forgave you. But I am required to bear with them, to love them, to want what is best for them, and have a spirit that is always ready to forgive them, technically, when they come and ask for it. Uh, but that's on them. That's not on me. And, right. and we've got to remember, if I forgive them or don't forgive them, that does not change their relationship with God. Right? I yeah. cannot get them into a right relationship with God by granting them my forgiveness. For them to get in that right relationship with God and for them to be forgiven by God, they've got to change. Right. They've got to repent. But if I'm not careful, me refusing to forgive them can affect my relationship with God. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew 6. If you don't forgive men when they sin against you, God's not going to forgive you either. Um But it does seem like, at least the way that I read it, there is a difference between forbearance and forgiveness, and it centers around that one word of repentance. Now, we can talk about that all day long, so we're going to move on. Um, And if you're listening to this and you want to continue this dialogue, email me at jacob at org or wes at... Uh, Wes at ccmcdermott.org. Okay, and, and maybe... We can continue that dialogue with you. Um, Okay, here's one that you hear in counseling circles, secular or Christian. Let's talk about this, this line. I can forgive, but I don't have to forget. Okay, is that a biblical teaching? Is that biblically acceptable? I mean, I, I would say that, um, again, it's, it's hard to know exactly what people mean by those kinds of things. If you're saying, I don't, I'm not going to forget, well, I mean, there's a sense in which 
you you cannot intentionally forget something you know you're, you you just remember things if if something happens you remember that experience in fact there there are it, it's really difficult even to say that god forgets our sins there's a sense in which god forgets our sins but there's also a sense in which god doesn't forget our sins i mean if it was true that god forgets everybody's sins of those he forgives, well, then that would mean that God doesn't know that certain parts are in the Bible because there are certain people right. like Saul of Tarsus or like David who were forgiven, but their sins are still written down. We know about their sins, which means God knows about their sure, sins. Sure. And so God doesn't forget my story. God doesn't forget my history. God knows every mistake that I've made. What God chooses not to do is he chooses not to hold my sins against me. Now, that's what forgetting someone's sin should mean, is that we don't hold their sins against them. We don't say, hey, listen, yeah, I know you're sorry, and yeah, I know you asked my, my forgiveness, but you did this thing over here, and I'm never going to let that go, and I'm always going to remind you of it, and I'm going to throw it in your face every time we turn around. That's what God chooses not to do. God chooses to restore us to a right relationship with him, even though we have these things in our past. And so God doesn't forget as if an all-knowing God could forget anything. God knows all things, including the things that I've done wrong. He just chooses to not hold those things against me or, or put them in my account as if it was an accounting book. I'm glad you bring up those illustrations because I've had this discussion with many Christians. Well, God doesn't remember my sins. Scripture even says, and I will remember your sins no more. And I'm like, yeah, that, that is true. But Scripture also tells us in places like 2 Corinthians 5 and Romans 14 that we're going to stand before God and give an account specifically of the things that we've done. Now, if God doesn't remember our sins, why would we give an account of those specific actions? And I think you're making a very good point uh, the terminology I've always used is, I remember your sins no more means these things are no longer going to define your life. Right. I'm going to view you in a different way. Your past does not write your story. You have a chance to rewrite your story through my grace and through the blood of, blood of my son. But not even God, and I'm glad you reference him as the all-knowing God, God's not going to forget but he doesn't allow the things of your past to define who you are now or who you're going to be uh, in the future. Let's look at Psalm 103 because David kind of alludes to this loving nature of God in a beautiful way in Psalm 103. Really just verses 8 through 12 we'll look at today. But David says that the Lord is compassionate. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And I think we are all so thankful for that. You know, we hear people say all the time, I deserve this. You don't want God to give you what you deserve because we all deserve hell. So what we all deserve. 
Then David says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I think that terminology is important. He's removed them from us. He's wiped them away, but he hasn't forgotten them. He hasn't forgotten them, but he's no longer angry. He doesn't stay angry forever. So if we are to forgive the way that the Lord forgives us, Colossians 3.13, and then we see David beautifully describe God's forgiving nature in Psalm 103, it sounds like what what is expected of us is don't remain angry forever. Don't keep a record sheet of every bad thing that someone has done in their life. When they ask for forgiveness, remove it from their relationship with you. But to say you can't truly forgive someone unless you forget about what happened, I just don't see that being reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. I, I think that, and again, it, it depends on what somebody means by forget. You know, I, I mean, I don't know anybody who can make themselves forget something. You know, I, it's just not, it's just not humanly possible to make yourself, I mean, sometimes we accidentally forget lots of things. Um, and we can, I think, get to the point where, oh, I didn't even, oh yeah, I didn't even remember you did that, Jacob. Oh yeah, I I had forgiven you so much that I put it out of my mind and I didn't even remember that you did it. But it's not an intentional thing. You can't intentionally forget something. And just because you remember something that someone did doesn't necessarily mean that you hold it against them. Mm. But when it continues to come up in conversation, when it continues to be thrown out against people, when it continues to be used as leverage against them, or when it continues to be a wedge in between you and the other person, that's when you're not, quote, forgetting it. Just because you remember it in your head and you say, yeah, this happened, but you know what? Actually, after they, they came to me and they apologized and we worked through that, our relationship now is stronger than it ever was before. That's how you forget things. You don't forget them in the sense of, oh, I didn't even remember that happened. You forget them in the sense that you've worked through them and it's not a barrier to your relationship. In fact, it's a bond. A, right. a forgiven sin can become a bond in a relationship. And I think that's the way Paul's relationship with the Lord was, is he would say things like, I'm the chief of sinner, I, sinners. I've done all of these things wrong. And it's because I did all of these things wrong. It's because I was the chief of sinners that Jesus chose me as an example to the world to say, hey, if I can do that with him, I can do that with any of you. So Paul's forgiven sins became the bond that held him to Jesus. And the same can be true in our relationships is that when we work through those failures and the sins and the things that we've done against each other and we forgive each other, they don't become a barrier to our relationship. They actually become something that holds us tight. We say, listen, I hate that that happened, but after it happened and we work through it, we're stronger now than we ever were before. Right. Yeah, these examples we're talking about are not the end-all, be-all examples. There are beautiful stories that happen and beautiful lives that are transformed that would not have taken place or would not have been transformed without a wrongdoing. So just because you've gone through something traumatic in your life that required you to forgive or to ask for forgiveness uh, does not mean that your life can't turn out better than it was before. Now let me ask this question, uh, Wes. Can can we forgive someone yet still 
be really upset and hurt about what they did to us? Man, that's a really good question. And I, I think that as with anything, sanctification is a process. And even if, if somebody does something horribly wrong to me and they apologize and they repent and there's a transformation and I, I grant them the gift of forgiveness and I release them from the debt, there's still wounds there. There's still hurt there. And and I think that what we have to try to do, and again, this is a process. It's not something that, it's not a light switch that we can turn on and off. These are human emotions and human brokenness that, that all play into this. And I think that what we have to try to do is again, picture ourselves releasing the debt and giving the gift and overlooking the wrong and bearing with each other and then surrender our heart or surrender rather our hurt to the Lord and allow the Lord to work on our brokenness and our and the, the wounds that are there rather than leaving that up to the other person. And I think that's where we tend to go wrong is we say, listen, you hurt me and these wounds still exist and I'm waiting on you to fix the wounds. Well, listen, that's, that's not gonna happen because that person cannot fix the hurt that they caused. That's the whole deal with forgiveness is that they have to be forgiven because they can't make it right. They can't make you whole, but the one who can make you whole is the Lord. And so we have to surrender that hurt to the Lord and then love the person in spite of the continuing hurt and say, listen, I'm still hurt, but I'm gonna love you anyway. And I'm gonna let the Lord fix my hurt and I'm gonna give you the gift of forgiveness. So not to simplify the profound statement you just made, but was that a yes? (laughs) I don't even remember the question. (laughs) It seems like you're saying yes. Yeah, yeah, I I think that we, we shouldn't continue to be angry. We shouldn't continue to hold something against them. But but that doesn't mean that the anger or the hurt is going to go away immediately. It's just there's a process that takes place. And so I'm, we have to be in the process of forgiving Mm. and, and and forgiveness just doesn't, it's just like, you know, we, as preachers, teachers, we, we tend to say things like, you know, give your, give your heartache to the Lord or give your worries to God, cast your worries on the Lord because he cares for you. Well, that's a very biblical thing to teach people to do, but it doesn't happen in a moment. It happens over a lifetime of taking our burdens. I often We'll, we'll picture it as a pile of pebbles and we're taking them one by one by one by one and our hurts are the same way. And the things that people have done against us, even if we aren't holding those sins against them, we still have this pile of pebbles that we're bringing to the Lord one by one and he's slowly healing us and taking away our anger and our pain. I think that's a good point and I'm glad that you mentioned Uh, the power that time has. We often hear people say time heals all things. I don't think that's true. I think a more realistic statement is that time helps all things. I wouldn't say that time 100% heals hurts that you have experienced in your life. For example, um, if a young couple lost a child... I don't care how long you wait, 20, 30, 40 years, the hurt and pain that you feel from burying your baby 40 years ago is still there. 
time has helped it, but time hasn't healed it. Yeah. Um, if you've been cheated on, if you've been abandoned, it doesn't hurt like it did when it took place. But I don't know if that pain ever eventually disappears. Yeah. Time helps it. Time doesn't 100% heal it. So to answer my own question, which uh, I think you answered yes, <laughs> can you still be upset? Uh, I don't know if you can be upset with the individual anymore, but I think you can still be upset with the pain yeah. that was caused in your life. And I want to say that to people, to encourage people, that if, if you're like, man, have I really forgiven this person? I'm still upset about what happened to me. My answer would be, are you upset with them or are you upset with what you feel? If you are no longer upset with that individual who hurt you, but you still acknowledge the hurt that you feel, I think you've forgiven them. But don't ask too much of yourself. Don't ask more than what God would ask of you. Uh, if you look at the parable of um, you know, the prodigal son, when he comes home and he asks for his father's forgiveness, the father throws a big party and puts a ring on his finger and gives him a robe, much to the disgust of the older brother. But the Bible never says there that in the midst of the party, in the midst of the fattened calf and the ring and the celebration and the dancing, that the father wasn't still hurt. What the, the story tells us was that the father was more focused on the joy of his son returning home. And the joy of a restored relationship, I don't think that necessarily erases or diminishes the hurt that you can still feel in the midst of the joy. And to just put either emotion in one corner and leave them isolated, I think is, first of all, unrealistic. And secondly, I think it's unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and, I, and that's why I think that, that we have to separate forgiveness from from not harboring resentment. And, and I think that forgiveness goes beyond emotions. Emotions are fickle things. You know, I mean, the way we feel is not necessarily an indication of, of reality. Just because there's still a twinge of pain, or even just because there's a, still a twinge of anger or, or, or hurt, you know, in, in the midst of a relationship doesn't mean that I'm still holding it against someone. Right. And, and my emotions, I always tell people, I don't even know what I want sometimes. You know, sometimes I want to be thin and healthy and other times I just want to eat a gallon of ice cream. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. what do I want? Well, it changes from day to day. How do I feel? It changes from moment to moment. Am I happy or am I sad? Well, sometimes I'm a little bit of both. And why am I feeling that way? Well, it, it's a lot of different things. And so, we are emotionally, we are complex beings and it takes a very long time for our emotions to get in, in, in line with what we've decided we're going to do. Forgiveness at its very heart is a decision to say, I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to allow this to be a wedge between us. I'm going to restore you to a right relationship with me. Um, that doesn't mean that you know, we could get into the idea of trust and, and having to rebuild that trust, but it means that we're, we're good. You know, we're right. good. We, you know, that doesn't mean I don't still have sadness. It doesn't right. mean I don't still have anger, but it does mean we're good. And that's a decision. That's a, an intellectual decision that we make. And sometimes it takes a while for our emotions to catch up. Right. Good points. And by the way, I will never forgive someone 
who can eat a gallon of ice cream every day and remain thin. That's a, <laughs> that's a discussion for another day that I, I just think that's a virtuous life none of us will ever achieve. Uh, last question I have for today, and Wes, I'm so thankful that you've taken time to come and, and discuss this because this is really important stuff. Yeah. And we're going to end in Matthew 6, uh, 14 and 15, where Jesus just draws the line in the sand. He could not be more clear when he says, if you don't forgive other people, God's not going to forgive you. Now, that's the JSV. That's Jacob's Standard Version. But that's that's what he's saying. You don't forgive, you aren't forgiven. Um, how do we know? And we'll try to keep this uh, as short as possible so people can leave with this today. How do we know when we've actually forgiven somebody? And that's a really good question. And and I think that it's the same as with how do we know we've repented from a sin? You know, is it just because I'm sorry? Or is it because I've stopped doing what it was that got me in the shape that I was in? Um, How do we know that we've forgiven somebody? Um, Do we love them? And I don't, and I don't mean, do we feel affectionate towards them. There's a difference between loving someone and feeling affection for them. Sometimes we love people in in spite of the fact that we really don't have a lot of affection in our heart for them. Well, and the Greeks made the distinction. I wish we did a better name. That's exactly right. Agape and eros or agape and phileo, uh, one's eternal, one's circumstantial. And there's, there's all kinds of overlap, but there is, there's connotation differences. And, and Paul defines, this is what love looks like. It's patient and it's kind and it doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. It isn't rude. It isn't self-seeking. So that's the question. And, and it takes some introspection. It takes some meditation. It's not just a simple question. Have I forgiven them? Yes or no. It's, Am I loving them? Am I being patient with them? Am I being kind to them? Am I am I holding this against them? Am I being resentful? And so we kind of have to spend some time. If there's something heavy that someone has done against us, we need to spend some time meditating and reflecting on those questions. Am I treating them with love? Am I being loving towards them? Have I restored them to a right relationship with me? Or am I being passive aggressive with them? Or am I I'm being resentful? Am I throwing this in their face, even if it's sort of a passive way of throwing it in their face? And, and so sometimes we think we've forgiven somebody, and then, you know, it just kind of pop, and we're like, huh, I didn't even realize I was, I was doing that. But yeah, I think that it's, it's not just the emotional, it's primarily how are you treating them? That's the question, is how are you treating them? Are you trying to make them pay you back for what they did? If you're trying to make them pay you back and fix what they've broken, then you haven't really forgiven them. But if you say, we're good. In spite of what happened, we're good. And you can treat them with the kind of love and respect and generosity that God treats us, then you can say you've forgiven them. Very good observation. But I go back to how we started, because I feel like you can treat someone with love and respect through forbearance. Sure. The same way that you do forgiveness. So if someone's listening to this today and say, I'm never going to be able just to go out of my way to help someone who hasn't apologized to me and acknowledged that they hurt me and acknowledged that they were wrong and changed. I don't think you have to. And I don't think the Lord would expect you to. Uh, We know from 2 Peter 3, the Lord's not willing for any to perish, but all to come to eternal life. Are all going to come to eternal life? No. 
He's not willing for anyone to perish. I think it's better said he's not desiring that anyone would perish, but people will perish if they don't repent. The question is, how do I know if I've forgiven someone? So remember the context of that. There has been repentance. There has been a change. There has been an apology. And so thinking about that, how do I know if I've forgiven them after that's taken place? That's when you go to, we're 100% okay, and I'm going to do anything I can to help you in your life. And I'm going to restore what was broken to the best of my ability. And I've often thought in my life, okay, have I reached that point of forgiveness? And I think the answer for me personally is when I am no longer focused on what was done to me, and I am no longer um, desiring of an apology, Mm -hmm. I'm no longer wanting uh, the acknowledgement of my pain to be noted I think I've I think I've gotten there I'm always going to treat with love and I'm always going to treat with respect because that's that's just what Christians do mm-hmm. you love your enemies uh, you love all people yeah but it does seem like there is another step to the forgiveness side and that's when Jesus says, if you don't forgive once those things have been done and people have come up to you and said, please forgive me. Mm-hmm. If you can't do that, God's not going to do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's th- there's never a time where it's OK to treat somebody unlovingly. Right. Period. There's never a time where that's OK, whether they've repented or not. We love them anyway. What changes based on repentance and forgiveness is a right relationship. And that's why, you know, if somebody's a Christian, that's why, and we don't practice it very well anymore, but that's why discipline has to be a thing. If somebody has sinned against you significantly in a way that cannot just be overlooked, there's a time to just overlook things, Mm -hmm. but there's also a time to hold people accountable. And, And the way, you know, Paul would say it is if somebody is living this sinful life, sinning against people and unrepentant, then you don't even eat with them. That doesn't mean you don't love them. And it doesn't right. mean you're not kind to them, but it does mean that we're not okay. Mm-hmm. We're not okay. And our relationship is not okay. And if somebody needs to be held accountable, then you don't just pretend, you don't just kind of put it over here and say, well, I'm just waiting for that person to apologize. No, you, you're upfront and you're honest with them. And you say, no, no, no we're not okay yet. Mm. This is still broken and mm. I'm waiting. You know, and, and so I think that there's a the place for that restoration of relationship has to, ha, we have to be really honest about that and say, this is broken and you and I are not okay right now. We can be, and I want to be, and we, we should be, but we're not okay right now. And, and, and that's the most loving thing to do in those types of situations. That is so well said. How much do you really love someone if you give them false pretense yes. that everything is okay when yeah. it's not? Yeah. Because... Chances are, if they are the one who caused the hurt, to tell them that everything is okay puts their soul in jeopardy. Yeah. Right. Uh, Great thoughts. Great thoughts. Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming on. Our best wishes to you. And obviously, we pray for uh, the McDermott Road Church and Holly and the boys. And we thank you so much for your ministry and your voice and your pen and your study into this matter. Thank you, brother. Well, I want to close today by closing how I close every episode. First of all, I want to ask you and encourage you to keep your eyes on heaven. And secondly, to remember that along this journey of life, there is going to be 
road work along the way, but here at Road Talk, we want to help you get ready by navigating your journey. Hopefully you found this helpful to you. Please share it, subscribe to the podcast. May God richly bless you this week, and we will talk to you next time.